I want to welcome the man himself, Wayne Lineker. So I opened my first bar. It just kicked off from day one. Nobody's ever received a prison sentence for 80 grand's worth of tax. Nobody. I was the first person ever. I actually left school at 14 because I was so excited to get myself involved in business. And by the time I was 18, I had 40 people working for me. You can't trust anyone until you've got to know them properly. That's the biggest mistake I've made. 2012, when we opened, I had 100 hangovers in 100 days. Do you ever reckon you'll settle down and find... Love. Well, do you reckon you'll be a party boy forever? I've had businesses fail. I lost, I lost everything. I'm not talking about too long ago either. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favour and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now. Whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremover.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremover.com. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee podcast. Today, guys, I have got you an absolute banger of an episode planned with a man who's known as the face of IB for someone who I've never think we've seen um, the full insights to his whole journey in a conversation before, and I'm really excited to bring you this one. So I want to welcome the man himself, Wayne Lineker. Welcome. Thank you. Well, w- w- welcome to your house, your beautiful oh, yes. house. Yes, my new podcast house. Yeah, your new podcast house. Yeah, yeah. It's working. It's working well, I think. Um, yes, yeah, pleasure to be on your podcast. Uh, I know how popular it is, and uh, I'm honoured that you asked me. Thank no, you. no, no. It's, a, it's, it's great to be here. But I think the place for us to start with you is obviously like, when I was reading a lot of your backstory, yeah. you started on the markets selling yeah, yeah. fruit and veg with your dad and kind of what, I just want to kind of want to understand what that was like growing up and what that taught you about life. Everything in a nutshell. Um, it was the best education I believe I could possibly have ever wanted in business. Um, even though it was a fruit and veg market, um, the shenanigans and the real life scenarios and, the fact that, you know, it's, it's a proper business, um, uh, it was a really great stepping stone for what lay ahead. It taught me how to deal with the public, how to have a laugh with the public, to understand what the public want. Um, yeah, my dad took me in from very old age. I think I was eight years old when I started unloading the vans for, for 50p a day or something. Um, and that grew into me working weekends by the time I was 10 or 11, Fridays, uh, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, no, sorry, Saturdays, uh, Sundays we didn't open. And, um, yeah, it was just something I really looked forward to. You know, I even, I even didn't, couldn't be asked about football anymore. I just wanted to go and work on the market with my dad and I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually left school at 14 because I was so excited to get myself involved in business and, um, yeah, I told my dad, I said, like, don't, I mean, things were a bit different back then, you know, you what? Got, yeah, you got to understand that. You, you you weren't you weren't frowned upon if you left school at an early age. Then it wasn't against the law. Um, so yeah, I, I decided to quit school at fourteen, go on the markets, and make my living. My dad was cool with it. Um, he just said, "Okay, son, I think this is your this is the the life ahead for you." Um, I understand he understood. And uh, yeah, so fourteen, I was full time on the markets, fruit and veg in Leicester Markets, which is the biggest open air market in Europe. Um, 
I've had some laughs, yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, 16 hours a day, six days a week. I suppose that was your first foray into, like, getting into this business mindset and obviously, you know, yeah. learning all about how things work and how to how to sell things to people and, and all these yeah, kind of I mean, skills you're picking up. There's a lot goes into a, a day in a market trader, you know. You know, it's every day is it's fresh, fresh, fresh produce every day, you know. Um, so that was a case of getting up at four in the morning every morning, going to the going to the retail market, which is where we sold it, um, setting up the stall because you had to pack it away every single night. So you set it up every morning. And then at quarter six, you'd leave the retail market and go and buy your produce at the wholesale market. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I didn't realise at the time, but, you know, I was buying I was buying pallets of this and pallets of strawberries and bananas and this that. And at the age of fifteen, you know, it's like it's ridiculous, really. You know, by the time I was sixteen, my dad let me go on my own. Um, he gave me a, some of the stalls on a Monday and a, a Wednesday, and yeah, I'd, by the time I was sixteen, I had forty people working for me, um, which is a bit crazy because we were so, quite so big. So you had forty people working for you at? Oh, sorry, I had twenty people working for me when I was sixteen. And by the time I was 18, I had 40 people working for me because we were, you know, throughout the week. And, yeah, which was pretty mad considering I was 16 years of age, you know. But you don't realise it at the time. And, um, but yeah, the markets was a, was a great, was a great education for me. And, uh, and my dad, bless him, God, God rest his soul, is, uh, he taught me everything, everything, you know. And I wish, one regret I got with my dad, I never really thanked him for, for giving me, that education that he gave me. But you, you're a young lad, you don't realise. Um, yeah. If there's one thing I wish I could go, is go back and thank him for everything that he's done for me. Yeah, yeah I, I I, mean, yeah. I think we all get this this um, opinion that our parents never die. We never really con- we never really considered it. I mean, the mm. first time I'd really considered it was yeah. when I was speaking it's the exactly other day. That. I was speaking to James Tindale on the podcast and he was mm. telling me about the story of his dad dying, right, Wayne? Yeah. And it broke my heart, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, you think you just do not consider that happening in your life. No, you don't. I mean, like you say, I mean, you t- I think you take your, your parents for granted sometimes. Um, but they are the foundation of your life and they, they teach you everything they know. And they don't, don't do it because they want, they want to do it. it they do it because it's a natural thing. Um, but, yeah, I was getting up with a, my dad at four o'clock every morning in the house. He used to wake me up. Never used to speak to me for the first hour. Because we were both so tired. And uh, my dad always had to have three cups of tea before he could function. And uh, by the time by the time we were on our way to the wholesale market, was, we were buzzing and getting ready for the day ahead. And uh, yeah, great times. This is mad, isn't it? But what was it like, obviously, because <clears throat> growing up with Gary, obviously, as your brother, mm. I know you were really close when you were younger. Yeah, super close. Was... Yeah. was was there a closeness because you were both in the pursuit of football at that time, or was it was it a closeness because? No, we were always we we're always going to have different paths, me and Gary. You know, we we're always totally different uh, personalities and beliefs, and you know, we we were you know chalk and cheese. Yeah, that's what we were. But um, we we used to play together all the time in the garden for cricket, football, rounders, you name it, whatever. We we were very very tight. Which is a shame because it's ended up where it is, but um, but yeah, we, we had a we had a great childhood together. And there was just me and Gary, obviously. And uh, when my parents used to go out, we used to clear the clear the front room of all the ornaments and 
furniture and you know make two goals and used to play five two aside football well one aside football for like hours and hours all night you know until they got home was it was it and my mum used to call me she went we're on the way well she needs to call me on the on the landline she used to call me the other night we're on the way home so we used to put all the furniture back was it was it was it harder for you because obviously your brother had success in the public domain a little bit before you started having success in the public domain. Yeah. Was that hard to watch as, no, as two it. rival siblings? I loved it. I was, I was his biggest fan. Um, I remember him scoring a hat-trick for, um, I think we beat Spain 4-2 and Gary got a hat-trick. Or he scored all four, I can't remember, England. And I just remember phoning my dad going, oh my, I'm so excited, this is amazing, this is going to change his life and... Yeah, at that time, you know, he was he was like as big as it gets. But um, but no, I was always always his number one fan. I used to fly around the world watching him. We used to go every World Cup, and I used to go to every Barcelona, well, not every game, but every every few weeks. I used to fly to Barcelona to watch him, and yeah, it was a mad time. Um, and we were super super close. You know, we did everything together. We played golf together every every week, and uh, yeah, that's is what it is. What was it that caused the the breakdown in communication? Yeah, I don't really want to talk about that, but um, you know, I think that's some some things you need to keep private. It was just uh, an internal, personal, family thing, but you know, he's never recovered from it, which is a shame. Um, but there you go. I think I think time time heals all things. But mm. I remember I was watching um, some content around around you on the on the lead up to this podcast, and I wanted to to do it justice and bring out your full story because I don't think people in the past have, have they've brought out little parts and stuff like this but it's very important that I bring out the whole thing but one thing I noticed you said on one of these videos was that the importance of vision and how you and how you'd visualized your even your visualized to the extent that even your first bar looked looked exactly like your vision could you yeah. could you explain how that I mean, happened I've never been I've never really been an educated guy I've never really like studied anything this that, that I just what what comes in my life happens and I, I just ride with it and um and I was back in the back back in them days when I was I think I was twenty I was twenty five years old and, and and the market started taking a taking a big dip in trade. All the big supermarkets started opening. You gotta remember back then no supermarket no there was no big supermarkets, it was just corner shops or very small stores or and then your Tesco's and Sainsbury's and the big players, they started opening these one-stop shops. Um, but the tra- tradition back then was to go to town, get your, buy your fruit and veg. And, um, and that's what people did. They went to town to buy the fruit and veg. And um, that stopped. It, it literally, over a, a, during a year's time, it, it sort of, it just completely, you know, we were talking about you know, 10% of what we used to do. Because everyone was going, they weren't just buying the fruit and veg, they were buying everything. You know, instead of going to the corner shop for your bits and bobs and then going to the city centre for your fruit and veg, they were all going to the one-stop shops, um, which are known as supermarkets now. Um, and I realised that there's no future in it for me. It wasn't for me. So what could I do? What can I do? But at that time, my, my uh, ex-wife, mother of Dwayne and Sean, my two, two eldest children, she lived in... Uh, her parents lived in Ibiza. Um, sorry, Tenerife. Ibiza. They lived in Tenerife, and um, we used to visit them very regularly. And I thought, oh, I'd love to live here. I'd love to do something here. So I thought, what could I do? And then 
you know, um, my brother was super, super famous in that time. So I'm thinking, well, I've got the same second name, and I. So I thought, I'll open a bar and I'll call it Lineker's. And um, that's what happened. And I went to Tenerife in 1986, and um, and then I opened my first bar. And uh, it just kicked off from day one, and yeah, <laughs> it was a big success. And um, But leading up to that, um, two months before I left, I was going, this is a true story, I was going for, um, I was very excited at the time, I, was, I couldn't stop thinking about it, you know, it's a big move, I was selling my business, everything. I think I went to Tenerife with 42,000 quid. Um, my life savings sold my house, everything. And um, so it was a big deal. And uh, I was taking my family there, my kids, my, my wife at the time. So uh, it was a big move. And um, I was going to a place called Rosso's, breakfast place. I was walking there and... Um, and then you have to walk through the market, through the fruit and veg, through the clothes, and, and then then you, you you get to the uh, you get to the cafe. So halfway there, um, I could take you back to the very square yard. This happened because it was that had that much impact on me. I um I just froze. I just froze on this on this grey big grey slab, and I'm like, no, something hit me. It was like I saw this bar it had three round windows in it. I'm like, and I've and I've looked inside the bar. There's all these pictures on the wall. At that time, I didn't know what I was going to do when I was over there. It had all these um, pictures on the wall, and I could see the, the front entrance to the bar. I could see behind the bar. I could see this guy on the on the, on the microphones talking, and I'm like, whoa, that's the weirdest thing that's ever happened in my life. And this is and this is like a, a subconscious. Like you're 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 obviously just stood there awake. You you're, yeah. you're it's like it was like a, like a movie. Like it was like a movie in my head. Yeah, I could see it. Like it's crystal clear. It's like watching a video, and um, but it all happened in a split second. I think it's when you, like when you dream, you think your dreams are really long, but they're not. They're, they're actually a split second. And this happened to me, and I was like, okay, that's weird. So I didn't think anything of it. Bugged me all day. I think, what the fuck was that? And then um, I forgot about it. And then uh, when I moved to um, Tenerife, I um, I, I could I, I, I was looking for a bar, phoning people up, like, like going to state agencies, that and the other, and I couldn't find anything. And it was really annoying me. I was like, I've made a big mistake here. I need, I'm, you know, I phoned my dad. I said, Dad, I'm, I think I've made a big mistake. He went, stick it out, son. Stick it out. I'm like. I said, yeah, but I can't find anything, and I just feel that I've, I've made a wrong decision. He's gone, no, stick it out, son. So I said, okay. Anyway, two days after that, I got this phone call from a guy called Bill. He's gone, um, Wayne, you're looking for a bar, aren't you? I said, yes. He said, I think, come and have a look at this one I've found today. It's just come on the market. I said, okay. I remember that the three round windows in my vision, yeah? So <laughs> I've, I've pulled up to the bar. And um, I got a little seat at Ibiza, funny enough. And um, pulled up there, I've gone. And it was in a place called uh, Patch, which was one of two places that I wanted the bar to be, either Veronica's or in Patch, or in a place called Starker. Anything else I didn't wasn't interested in. I said, where is it? He said, it's in, uh, it's in Patch. I went, okay, cool. So I went there, I pulled up. I 
Got out the car, three round windows in this bar. I didn't even know if that was it. I went, is that it? He went, yeah. I went, I love it. He went, what? He said, I love it. So if you've not seen it, I said, I don't need to. I said, I love it. I said, show me anyway. I walked in there, I could see it, and the shape of the bar was exactly as I saw in my vision. And when I, the day that I opened the bar, it was exactly the same. Exactly the same. And I saw that over a year before I actually got the premises, and it was exactly the same. So you saw it over a year, it was like a year yeah, between like your vision. a year vision. between the time I saw the vision and before it reached reality, because it was there for a few months. Then it took a few months to to open the bar, to fix it. And, and I never really thought about the vision. And then and I realised afterwards that that is exactly what I saw. It's mad, isn't it? But it's true. It's, I, I do believe that you can vision your future, because I've been on, I've yeah, been on well, these... I wasn't trying to. It's just, I was on my way to get a, a cob and um, I just got, poof, like, like that it was. I'm like, fuck. And I saw this, this like, inside video in my head and, and it was exactly the same. I've, I've, I've been on literally, Wayne, I've been on mushroom journeys, like yeah. professional journeys. I wasn't on mushrooms. No. <laughs> I I <laughs> no, but I've, I've been on but, professional mushroom yeah. journeys where, where like the, the visions of the next six months in my life yeah. will play out in my head and the, and, mm. and, the, and the vision in the six months after, like what happens in my life six months after that and yeah. the people I meet are all the people that I met in this vision. Mm. So I, I, I mm. kind of subconsciously believe that you can you can yeah, kind I mean, of manifest it's, it's reality since that day that I, st- I started really believing in in visualization, you know, and uh, you know even since then where us we first had the idea of ocean with Tony Truman. We were sat in a swimming pool in in um, in Marbella, just me and him having a drink in the afternoon, and he said to me, "When we got open, we got open a beach club in Ibiza because we already had Linekers together." And um, I'm like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. And then I could see it then. I could see it. Um, and, you know, he told me what he wanted it to be like. He wanted to, he wanted to bring Vegas into Ibiza. And, and we were just chatting and chatting and chatting. And, um, yeah, and eventually, I mean, I didn't have that same vision yeah. like that I had. It was st- I was stopped in my tracks. But as we were talking that day, I could feel, I could feel this was right. And, um yeah, and I just remember the first phone call I got from Tony when he got back. He said, "I found it." I said, "What you found?" He said, "I found it. I found it. A beach club." I said, "I'll meet you there in five minutes." So he told me where it was. He told me where it was, and um, yeah, I met him, and we looked over. And I was like, "Oh my god, perfect!" Because uh, it was because right. because when you saw that beach club it, originally, it was it was like a derelict space, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't. No, it was a it was a wedding venue. Spanish family that were reaching retirement had it and um, yeah and I said we've got to get this we've got to get it he said leave it with me we'll get it we'll get it so then he did a deal with for it um, it was an old wedding venue but it, you could see it could be perfect for us and then we done the deal and um, and I've walked around it again with Tony and I've gone it's not big enough man and um and he said, "You'd be right because it was it was like just over half the size it is now." And um, I said, "Who owns the restaurant next door?" He said, "Let me find out." So he found out, and it was the same family, just a different part of the family, and they were ready to sell as well. So we bought. We ended up doing a deal for the two, which was fantastic. So then 
we've knocked it all down a couple of a month or so later when saw the paperwork gone through and this and the and uh, it was too big. We're like, oh fuck's sake, it's too big. What are we gonna do with this? It was huge, you know, it was like a football pitch. But by the time um, the design came and and the restaurant and the DJ box and the storerooms and the toilets and it, it was perfect. Um, and now it's not big enough, but uh, yeah, it's amazing. Because obviously now it's one of the most photographed places in Europe. Yeah, I think it's the most photographed club in the world. Yeah, number one, easily. Like, comfortable. Because there's not a summer since you've opened that that I've not seen it on social media yeah. about 16, 20 times from different people. Yeah, it pretty much dominates social media, um, which we've got a lot to be thankful for, just for social media to... I think that's made it exactly what it is today, um, or a very big key thing. Because, you know, you're talking a thousand people every day, unique visitors, posting every single day, time they come, and, you know, it's a, that's a strong presence on Instagram. I think it's the first thing you want to do now when you get social, just have that pick. You know, most of them are fucking with me, but there you go. <laughs> hey, no, I, I, I think I think it's 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 mad how that place has become the most photographed place in Europe, in like yeah. literally like the world, in club wise. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, and th- th- that's that's a testament to marketing. But before we talk about that, I want to dive into this. What advice could you give the audience on on creating a vision for their future in their own minds? Do you know what I mean from from your experience of that? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm not I'm not the one that's be overly educated on on the reasons why these things happen but I genuinely you know I don't plan it it just happens like you know, even even when I with, with Tony Ocean you know I didn't have that vision that I had before but I, I still saw I still saw what was good, what could potentially happen um, but I guess you've got to really think ahead and I think every venue now you need to think about it. Instagram, social media, you know, you have to, you know, think about that. That has to be in your, in your plan when you, you know, you're, you're thinking about how you're going to design your premises, this, that, and the other, and, you know, whereas years ago, it wasn't even in the thoughts. But fortunately, Tony's a very creative guy, and um, I think he, he saw that, that little window before anyone else. But do you think there's any way that you're approaching life daily that allows you to attract the things into your life that you have attracted into your life. Sorry. Do you think that? Do you think there's a way that you're acting on the? Da- do you think there's a way that you're operating on a daily basis where you're where you're you're essentially attra- attracting these things into your life? And you know what kind of? Well, there is a theory around that, isn't there? Um, you know, I, I believe you make your your own look in this world as well. You know, everyone says, "Oh, you're so lucky." Not really. You know. Um, you put yourself in a position to get that look. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't really answer that because I don't, I don't really know the answer to the question. Um, but yeah, it's just something that with me has just happened. But giving advice to someone, yeah, try and see, try and see it, try and see it getting, being busy, try and see the money coming in, try and see the bank account, try and see this, that, the other. And, um, you know, manifest as much as you can. Because manifest is an amazing thing. I think it's. I think from what I've learned from the start of this conversation is the fact that like you've always trusted yourself mm. beyond the point of what would be perceived by most people as failure. So when yeah, you, I mean, when, I've, I've, I've had businesses fail. I've had one big business fail. I won't mention the name because it was um, it was a big 
big dent in my life, you know, where I lost, I lost everything. I'm not talking about too long ago either, you know. Um, I made a business decision and I trusted someone and, um, yeah, it cost me everything. But um, you bounce back and... Um, Are we talking like in the last five years? Uh, two, 2000 and 2010, around that time. So you, had to, so you had to literally, you lost everything and you had to come back from losing everything? Yeah, everything, yeah. What, what, when you're at that lowest point where you've lost everything and, and all the money's gone and everything's gone and you have to start from scratch, what, yeah. how, how, did, how did you get the fortitude to start again? I mean, I was lucky. I obviously already built a strong business that was, that was very strong, Lineker's bars, and you know, they were opening up here, there and everywhere. Um, but, the, but the business I, I went into was, was everything. And um, you know, to the extent that I even had to start selling my number plates that I got and my cars and my watches and... You know, I, was, I was literally on my on my back foot, but um, but I got through it, and uh, yeah, and then Ocean came, and my life changed, and then COVID came, and it happened again. Uh, I lost everything in COVID. Uh, it was a really, really, really bad time. Cause, you know, everything. When you when you say lost everything in COVID, do you mean like financially everything? Really, yeah, all gone. So so so, so what? It's, what? To, I mean, obviously, we still got the businesses, but you know, it was. As my, you know, the, all the, all the beautiful things, all the, they're not really beautiful. They're only, they're not, you know, they're not things that you you need. They're just toys and stuff. You know, all them toys had to go. And but it got to the point where you had to sell these assets. Well, yeah, I mean, fortunately, I managed, I managed to hang on to. I still lived a good life, but it set me back a lot. You know, and it set my my son back and. Everyone in, the, in our business, because all our business is hospitality, uh, you know. And they're all shut for two years. Yeah, you know, I walked. In, I was walking into Ocean was two th- fifteen hundred people on every single Tuesday, all dancing on the chairs, on the on the beds, and the stage was packed. The dance floor was packed. You know, I went in on a Tuesday once at seven o'clock at night when normally it would be completely on fire. You know, it was like ridiculous. And I walked in, there was eight people in there. You know, I just walked away and just cried my eyes out. I was like, what the fuck, you know. This was in July, um, after he called, or August, after he called um, quarantine. Did you ever, was there, when you're in that moment, when you sat there and you're crying about the fact that your venue's shut, was there a, was, yeah, I mean, what, it wasn't, what, what's, wasn't, going, what's going through your mind? It's not financial. The fact that, the fact that COVID has destroyed to the extent that it's cost people having a good time. You know what I mean? It's I, the one joy I get, I've always said it, is stand behind that um, DJ box and look out, look at the smiles on people's faces, look at people chatting, look at people meeting people. You know, it's a very special thing, you know. There's, there's, there's people that have met in Ocean that have become man and wife and they've had children and, you know, a lot. You know, and, uh, I get messages all the time. We met in Ocean, we've now got a child, thank you very much. And, like, these things are very special. Um, so, yeah, that at that time... It was like just devastating, you know. It's like, it's, where the fuck has this come from? Yeah, because it's obviously your baby. It's like you're yeah. you're bringing yeah. it up. Yeah, so. I suppose what one thing that you've always been great at is bringing other people on the bus in to share your vision, so that they can obviously help you joint venture these places. Because obviously you've got a lot of like Tony's one of your partners, and you've got a few. Yeah, other. I mean, listen, Tony's Tony's got more vision than any person I've ever met in my life. Um, he's very super super clever guy. 
But what put so many feminine ways about him, I'm not sure, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but his, his design and his creativity is, is second to none. So, you know, as far as vision's concerned, he's, 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 he's right up there, you know, with, uh, with but, us. But what's your advice to people who want to attract um, the right partners onto their bus so that they're not in terms of, not in terms of relationship partners, yeah. I'm talking about in terms of like business partners, in terms of people that share their vision, people that can finance what they believe in. Because ultimately, I'd, I, from, from the entrepreneurs that I've interviewed, I've noticed that a lot, mm. you know, finds these people in life that help steer them on the right path and take them to the goal. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, I've, I've been involved with my son, well, both my sons, Sean and Dwayne. But Dwayne's a partner in Ocean, and um, nearly all our business is in, in Ibiza. So between myself and him, you know, we don't tend to make the mistakes that I made when I was growing up in the business world. So trusting people. You know, you can't trust anyone until you've got to know them properly. Um, that's the biggest mistake I've made. Um <clears throat> Obviously, between myself and Dwayne and Tony, I've known Tony, I've been in business with Tony for, I don't know, 2008, we opened Linicus together. Um, and then I've got a friend, Tony Wheelchair, we call him, he's in a wheelchair, bless him, but we call him Tony Wheelchair. And, um, you know, <coughs> the four of us, they, we, we, we were opening businesses left, right and centre, and uh, we were strong, and, and then we started up, we opened Ocean, and not a lot of people know this, but we, we were weeks from going under, you know, we went... Wildly over budget, um, and we were at a stem where we couldn't finance it. The banks weren't keen on helping, and um, so we had to find a partner. And um, and then that was the the birth of Maxi, uh, in my Indian partner. He's an amazing guy. He's got multiple businesses, um, um, but he's a very very big part of our growth. Um, and uh, yeah, he he bailed us out. He came in, saw an opportunity. I mean, it's the best investment he's ever made in his life. Um, but he had to put his money where his mouth is, and he pulled the money up and got us out of trouble, and we got open. Uh, but we were very, very close to like, going under, yeah. Did you, and when you, when you talk about building the Lineker's brand from that one bar that you started, mm. which is now how many bars? Yeah. Well, Lineker's has, has, has been a, a, an interesting path, really. I mean, when I opened in 1987... <laughs> 36 years ago now. It's a year before, I, a year after I was born, yeah. Yes, yeah, A year before I was born, sorry. Um, and I opened Linux Tenerife, it was, and then we moved, we immediately moved from the three window place to a place called um, um, Patch. No, Patch was a, yeah, Patch was a, I can't remember now. It was that long ago. But um, yeah, it was, and we moved to a place that was close to Veronica's, which is where, Everybody used to go. I mean, Tenerife used to be the busiest place ever. I mean, nobody used to go to Ibiza then, really. Not first Lineker's Bar, obviously, yeah. was that one. Yeah. It was the, yeah, the it was one that I went. One, yeah, that yeah, was no, it. no, but that was the first bar that I'd ever gone into. I mean, I had a yeah. diet, I had a Diet Coke, mate, but I, I, st- <laughs> I, st- I, st- I still went in there, you know, when yeah. they were with my mates. And I went into the one in, um, I think you got, I had one in Mallorca at the time as yeah, well. Yeah, we had, we, then we started opening them up everywhere. And, but I guarantee you now, Lineker's Tenerife was the busiest bar the world has ever seen per square meter, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It was ridiculous. You couldn't move in there. Um, but that was every single night. And I've never known a bar like it. And I've never known a bar like it again. There will never, there will never be another bar like Lineker's in Tenerife. It was unbelievable. We grew up, everyone was dancing on the tables and the chairs. And 
because at that time people were getting thrown out of premises for for, for dancing on tables or sit, standing on the chairs and this and that. I used to, I used to think to myself, why why are people getting thrown out in the streets for? You feed them alcohol for two or three hours and then they start getting on the chairs to have a dance. You want to throw them out? It's not right. So I completely changed that. Got a really nice security. Made everyone, encouraged people to dance on the tables and the chairs. Everyone was like, what the fuck, this is amazing. And it word spread like fire. And everyone was like, just having such a great vibe. And um, you just couldn't move in there. And uh, yeah, I just let people do what they want. And uh, within reason, obviously. Yeah, people were like the security back then were like aggressive and horrible, and you know what I mean. Take your money off you all day and then throw you out on the street. It's not right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But, but when you when you knew that you'd obviously got that first successful model as that Lineker's bar, yeah. and you'd obviously built you'd you'd, you'd funded that one yourself, had you? Yeah, everything. I worked. Uh, I used to. I used to work every single hour of the day. You know, I used to open up. I used to close up. I used to do the bank, I used to do the tools, I used to do the DJ, and used to do the work road to everything, you know, for the, for many years. I used to work so, so hard. Did you? But I loved it. Did you joint venture everyone after that? Yeah, I used to get a partner in everyone that opened. Yeah. I believe that it's best to have a partner to, to run with instead of opening up, then bugging off back to Tenerife and hoping for the best. So, was so we used to have an on-site partner. So yeah, so you so your concept is a local partner yeah, in that area that, no, that, that, that area. knows that, that knows or, that. Or it was it was always an English partner that lived in that area because you couldn't really teach a Spanish person how Linica should work because they don't really understand that side of things, you know, the, the or the way I wanted it to be run. Uh, whereas an English kid would because he knows a crack about football and music and what the, the policies that we had and. So yeah, it worked for many, many years, um, and yeah, we opened them in uh, Tenerife, Gran Canaria, Mallorca, Ayanapa, uh, Paphos in Cyprus, Benal Madina, Fuenlabrada. Yeah, we had a lot, um, and Marbella. Marbella was a big success, Port Venus, and then, and then finally Ibiza, two thousand eight, which is still going strong now. Yeah, I've been I've been to that one as well, yeah. but you, obviously through through that path and through that success that you you had with all with this Linux bar, obviously you came back one time and you had the obviously law on your law on your back, which obviously ended up in of you yeah. going into a cell for a fair few months. You know what I mean, being yeah. put inside. Yeah, do, do you, like what 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 was what was that like? Because obviously when you're the when you're the when you're the man when you're out there in the public domain and you're having as much success as you are, what's it like to have to go away for that amount of time? Yeah, I mean it's weird. I mean, not many. It's not been very publicised. That um, fortunately it was before social media, or I think Facebook was just breaking in at the time and Twitter. And but, um, I wasn't I wasn't the known person that I'm now. Um, and uh, yeah, I got done for. 80 grand's worth of tax, tax evasion, which is fraud, basically. Fraud in the government, which is fair enough, but um, nobody's ever ever received a prison sentence for for 80 grand's worth of tax. Nobody. My, I was the first person ever to get a prison sentence. First offence. Well. Why do you think that was? Because of Gary's brother. They wanted to make some uh, example out of me. Um, there was no other reason. Um, you know, I stood up in the court and I knew the judge didn't like me. Thought he hates my lifestyle, but my lifestyle's with my lifestyle. And um, yeah, I used to, I just used to bring some cash back to the UK. I 
because I used to live in the UK in the winters. And um, but I declared I was, I was declaring it all. It was just a portion of it that um, it's a long story, but basically the portion of it wasn't declared, and uh, and um, yeah, it, it eventually stupidly went to court instead of just you know giving me a slap on the wrist and. Should happen for an eighty grand tax offence. Um, so, yeah, first day straight out of the courtroom, a t- two and a half years sentence me to. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I've gone in the on the um, security call van, with the little windows in the side. I'm on the way. To, um, I'm outside the courtroom. Then four of the guys got in. They've got sentence as well. I'm like, this is not happening. So I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm handcuffed to the to the fucking door. Um, of my little stand-up cubicle in the fucking van. And um, the driver's gone, all right, lads, anybody want some music on? All these other lads are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they must be used to be getting prison sentences. <laughs> I, was, I was in there feeling like death, feeling like the end of my world. And it was April, right before the summer. I'm like, fucking hell, I'm going to miss the summer. Um, and it's come on the radio, Gary Lineker's brother sentenced to two and a half years in prison. I'm like, fuck it. I'm like, oh my god, this is not happening. Yeah, it was the worst day of my life, and um, yeah, got got to Brixton Prison, twenty three hour bang up. That's a serious prison to go to, isn't it? Yeah, serious, like proper, like hardcore. But um, yeah, I look back now and I'm thinking how to, how I did it, you know. But um, you on the were you on the main wing as well? I was, uh, yeah, I think I was C wing. But yeah, they're all the same. But it's funny because obviously a load of people have got some word out to the to the inmates in there and I kept people coming up to me anything you need you let me know if you need a phone this that and the other you let me know I'm like just thanks guys I just need some peace on my own at the minute so yeah I was just like and then <clears throat> and then I was actually with my PA I won't mention his name because he doesn't want me to say it but he got sentenced with me bless him and he did absolutely nothing wrong you'll be your PA he, yeah, your PA he handled, he handled the transactions and the cash and this that and he used to go to the bank and change the money up and Bless him. He done nothing wrong. <laughs> he, got, <laughs> he got a prison sentence. He got a sentence. And, uh, he's still with me now. He's been my PA for twenty five years. So, you, um, so, you, so you're, you're the only one in the world that's probably got a PA that's done two and a half years as well. <laughs> well, we got sentenced. He, he got sentenced eighteen months. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But the but the beauty of it was we got we got we got sent we got sent to Brixton, and um, I walked in my cell. Dave's there. So they gave us the same cell because it's two man bang up, and um, it's the funniest story. So he's gone. I'm like, you got to bear in mind what my life's like. Normally, I'm all of a sudden I'm in fucking in a, in a tiny cell with my PA facing two and a half years in prison. I'm like, what the fuck? And um, and all that's in there is a shitter, two beds, bunk beds, and a kettle and a sink. That's it. There's nothing else. So I'm like, fucking hell, this is not good. Um, so Dave's in there. We're both, like, distraught. And um, I said, what should we do, Dave? He went, should we play hide and seek? <laughs> it's the funniest moment ever. He got hide and seek. So we started laughing. It was just, I just broke the ice. And, um, but, yeah, 23 hours a day in the cell. You're allowed out half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the evening. And, and that's just for... An- what they perceive to be an eighty thousand pound unpaid tax debt, yeah. Which would normally be normally if you get caught for something yeah. like that, you, you'd end up you'd end up on a payment plan. 
on the payment plan, slap on the wrist, don't do it again. Um, you know, maybe a community service, maybe a suspended sentence if, if you got unlucky. <laughs> I, I, I suppose so. Some people would say it. So just to, just to, re- to reiterate how ridiculous it was. You know, I've got all my lawyers and this that they were coming. This is this is just unheard of. It's impossible to send you to prison. So I said, that's a, I said, well, let's appeal. So I said, they said, yeah, let's appeal. So we took it to the appeal courts and then to the European commu- uh, courts. But it took seven months for this process to so end up in court. And then I won, and they released they released us. Um, but yeah, didn't get any conversation. But but it was just proved that it was an absolute ridiculous thing. But I wouldn't change it. I would. I would never change the experience of life that I saw. You know, I've got some mad stories in there. You know, it was like the first time because you start off in the C cap. It's called C cap prison. Yeah, or B cap, I think it is, which is high size security. So in longer bang up, then you get then you get transferred to um, a open prison. So I was waiting. So I was in. Dave got transferred after about 10 days, 12 days. Um, and then I, I'm like, where's my transfer? I need my transfer. Because you get your own cell and you, you can go for walks and you, you're free all day. And well, you, you can go outside the prison. Go outside. Well, you can't go outside the prison, but you can go out, outside for walks and, and it's a lot better. But, and, um, but the night, two nights before Dave had gone, the next night, I've spent that night on my own in the cell. I thought, this is all right. And I got a knock on the door in the morning um, from the screw they called him, Lineker. You've got a, you've got a, a new cellmate tonight. He's coming this afternoon. I went okay. He went just to warn you. He's a recovering crack crack addict. I'm like oh great. <laughs> I went really. I'm like oh fucking hell. This is this is not good. So <laughs> he's walked in. Good guy. Lovely. Look, I mean, gentle giant. All right, all right, mate. He went, look, I'm really sorry, but I may snore a little bit. I went, okay, no problem. So he's about, I don't know, must be 22, 24 stone, huge guy. I'm like, Jesus, man, this is madness. So then he's, um, so then it's, I said, listen, one thing, one thing, because you're allowed to twice out yourself. I said, do not shit in front of me. There's a shitter in the toilet in the, in the cell, and I said, Please, just if you want, if you want to go to the toilet, just hold it in. Said, yeah, no problem. So the geezer's gone, Okay, cool. So I imagine that. Fucking hell. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, so I just I just tried to go to sleep. So he's, he's gone to sleep. He started snoring. The bed's shaking. It's trembling. Like, <laughs> Oh, God. So I never slept for two days. I just, I just laid there waiting, waiting for my. Transfer and then it finally came through. I felt like I was going out in the fucking to the Ritz. And then I suppose when once you get to open prison for you, it's like it's like okay, cool. Now I can see. Yeah, this it was out. all right. You know, I used to study my Spanish and um, I got a job in the library, which was was the best job in the in the prison. And you know, it was all right. You went for your breakfast, dinner, and your lunch, and it was all slight slops. You know, like you know, you go into a canteen, it's like being back at school. But I, I suppose then. It, at this point, what you learned about life is the fact of like, if you've got a mm. name in society that's known where you could, that you can leverage and turn into like bar, yeah. a bar brand mm. on the other side of that, you've got a name in the world that can be leveraged into, 
you getting in trouble for things and getting punished harder yeah. than other people. Yeah. So there's yeah. that what, what people don't understand about a name is like the, the, the name can work for and against you at all points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's times I just want to go to a nightclub and enjoy myself, but I'll just get, you know, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy the attention and the, what people, you know, asking for pictures and wanting to chat to me and all that. But sometimes you just want to switch off and obviously probably going to a nightclub's not the best place to do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap anything for the world. But um, and including that memory, you know, that that experience that I had, but that experience gave my son Dwayne the platform to be the person he is now. You know, he's now the backbone of uh, our, our company, which own all our businesses in Ibiza. He's the he's the guy that holds it all together. You know, he works tirelessly hard. He enjoys it. I mean, the future of that kid is unbelievable. You know he's going to be a very very successful boy, um, but yeah he's 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 on fire right now. Him and Maxi are um, you know they're doing deals left right and centre for different projects and you know which I'm obviously a part of. Um, but I don't get so hands on involved in the backside of business. Um, like I say, I did lay the foundations for for what we're now enjoying. But um, I tend to enjoy myself and just you know have a good time with the crowd and. Socialising. So, so, so is your role now more of a face of, of the brand rather than it, being a, yeah, a runner of it? I'm not a hands-on partner anymore. I mean, I go to meetings. Obviously, we have our annual general meetings and this, that and the other. But, you know, the, the, the serious work is done by uh, the likes of Dwayne and Tony Truman and Maxie, really. When it comes to, like, uh, setting up the, the branding of all these different venues, like, how long does that kind of process take and what does it involve? Yeah, again, uh, we've got such a strong marketing team now. Um, you know, we've got a girl, a girl called Gemma Chart, she's been with us years. Between her and Tony, they do all the branding. Um, yeah, I get in a lot of trouble sometimes. sometimes some of my videos I post on Instagram, I get a call from Gemma, Wayne, take that now. It's not the branding we want, it's not the look we want. She is funny. But, um, I, th- I think I think a lot of your videos have got you got you got you in a bit of trouble yeah. through the past. I mean, you're 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 all, you're never you're always going to be you're you're one of these people that I've always seen in the media. But you're, but you're always it's either it's either super positive or super negative. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's never it's never there's yeah. n- there's no middle ground with no, you. You know no, what I mean? It, no, there's not. No, it's 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 controversial stuff that, that goes viral. Um, but I don't mean to go viral. It just happens. <laughs> I, just have, I just have these funny ideas sometimes and yeah. sometimes they work sometimes they don't but it's what it is I mean you went viral once for saying that you, you'd only um, date a woman between the age of 28 and 29 like yeah like. well I did a criteria list yeah. and it went super viral even to the fact that people were blogging about it in Australia but um, but it was it was true you know um, but yeah it was, a, it, was a, it was a very controversial post and I wrote that post. It was um, my criteria and a, to, and a girlfriend because I thought I can't find a girlfriend. Um, the one that I want, I don't. You know, I'm I don't mix with people my age. I, I mix with twenty five, thirty year olds. So what am I going to do? Yeah, you know. Um, so I said that you need to be between the ages of twenty six and thir- no twenty eight and thirty two or something. But twenty six could work. Put that something like that. And um, yeah, it just went mad. 
I was on the swimming the next morning. Talking about <laughs> it, all, got all my all my criteria. We were talking about it, and uh, yeah, it was funny. But that went unbelievably well. All that did, like mad. So, do you, do you think, in essence, that you try and be a bit controversial? Do you? Do you no, do you, I just don't. I just don't. I don't mind being controversial as long as I'm not being obviously being stupid. I like to, you know, to, to just throw a little bit in the mix. Is he being serious? Is he not? Do you reckon then all attention on your brand and you is is positive in the in the fullness of time? Yeah, I mean, everybody loves Ocean. You know, everybody loves what it is. I think people like the part I play in Ocean. You know, I'm very friendly to people. I'm humble. You know, I'll always have my picture taken with them. Um, yeah, I think a lot of corporate companies you don't really see this, who owns them, or who owns you know who owns Pasha. You know, you would know, no, you know. Yeah. So I think the special, the special, specialness of Ocean is that people have someone to relate to. They go to the venue, I'm there, or Tony's there, and they're like, "Wow, this is amazing," you know. Which I guess it is for them, um, but it's something we enjoy. Um, but it's not like I say, we are not a corporate company. We're uh, we're like a fun. We like it to be fun, and we like people to have a great time, and we're not and we're not shy of sharing that great time with them. Do you think that's where most brands go wrong these days is they build them as faceless entities? I wouldn't say they go wrong. You know, there's a lot of successful business. That's just, that's just our style and it's worked. You know, it's worked for us and um, it's been a huge success for us. And um, yeah, I am the face of it. Um, but I work hard, you know. I, I go there, you know, I enjoy it. Let's not, you know, let's not get it wrong. Being asked by... Hundreds of girls a day for pictures is, is quite a unique and nice thing, but but it is our work, um, you know. But I tend to try and get all them pictures done before six, seven o'clock when everyone's absolutely wasted. <laughs> then, <laughs> then it becomes a challenge. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's mad though because like in in the UK and Ireland and and probably Scotland and Wales too, mm. like every summer I'll see you yeah. in the middle of a. Uh, of of a hend of a hend Hindu or something like that. Someone's in a picture well, of you. This is this is true. So, girls hen parties, for example, they have a they always have a bucket list to to do when they're on on the holidays. Or the the, bro, the the hen has to do. So the hen will have to go up and kiss a guy in the cheek, or he'll have to do this and that. And then at number one is always picture of Wayne Linegar. Always, always number one. It's about like. So immediately they want a picture with me. There's like 15, 20 girls. Wayne, please come have a picture. Oh, go on then. So I jump <laughs> in the middle of them. So, so, yeah, such fun. a hard job, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but yeah, you, and all, I'm, on, I'm normally the picture on all the IB for WhatsApp groups. And Do you, do you ever reckon you'll... I think people understand that I'm, I'm just one of the lads having a bit of fun. You know, I'm not, I'm not stuck on my own arse. You know what I mean? I'm just a, a very humble person. Uh, I try to be anyway, and I like to be. But do you ever reckon you'll you'll settle down and and, and find love and all that kind of good stuff, or do you yeah. or do you reckon you'll be a party? Do you reckon you'll be a party boy forever? Because obviously you've been doing you've been doing I this mean, party boy lifestyle for like you know sixty odd years now. Like surely, surely it's surely it's you got it. When's it when's it end for you? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've started cutting a lot of clubs out now. I don't really go to clubs so much. I mean, I go to to glitter box now and again on a Sunday and and um, defected on a Friday, but that's about it. But um, that's getting less every year. But I'm looking, I'm looking all the time. I, 
think it's, it's it's the look, isn't it? Searching. I quite like the the challenge, and once I've reached that challenge, I tend to slip away a little bit. But but I'd like I'd like to settle down. I'd love to. Um, I'm at that stage of my life. I've been for years now, but I just can't find anyone. And it's and it's tough for girls to take on someone like me. You know. Do you do you think do you think though that your life would change though if you if you if you got that woman in your life that brought yeah, you that I think, completeness? I think it would change. Um, I'd be a lot more healthier for sure, because <laughs> obviously I tend to drink every day, and that's not ideal. But um, yeah, I mean. I am one of them guys that I'm 100% and nothing and everything I do. And that's, whether it be in business, whether it's looking after my kids as they're growing up or whatever it is in life, I, I tend to, even going to the gym, if I, I'll either go to the gym six days a week or I won't go to the gym for a year. That's how I am. And I'll get into the zone, I'll eat healthy, I'll drink healthy, I'll do this, I'll do that. But that's how I am, 100% nothing. I would be in a relationship as well. If I find the right... I was with, um, with Danielle, my, my ex. But I've not really found anyone to replace her yet. And uh, she was very special. But uh, but I'm sure she's out there. And um, hopefully one day I'll find her. Do, do you ever find, though, that the because of the life you, you, you lead, where it's like, you know, you're surrounded by... You know, women between the ages, say, 20 and 35, a lot of the time, you're out there drinking and surrounded by people. You're probably not on drugs yourself, but you're surrounded by people that are on drugs and stuff. Does that environment kind of make you feel lonely after a while? No, as long as you you keep yourself in a a fresh, you know, when you're hungover, it becomes becomes tiring. You know, when I did a... (laughs) 2012, when we opened, I'd, I had 100 hangovers in 100 days. And that's not a joke. Every single day I went out, I never got in in, I never got in, in darkness for 100 days on the drop. Uh, I used to go home, 7 o'clock, sleep till 1 o'clock, wake up, go to ocean, tired, hungover. Vodka Rebel, psh, two glasses of wine at lunch, another Vodka Rebel after lunch, back in the game, same process. Out, 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 out. I did it for 100 days. <coughs> but... Yeah, that becomes that becomes tiring, and um, and you you know, but you don't. It's it's a process where do you actually not go to ocean today and recover, or do you go and think fuck it, I'm gonna have another good day? And that's what happened at that time. I'm a lot better now. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't party like I used to. So, so your your whole plan of attack is then from like May time until probably end of September. Yeah, your your whole time is spent in Ibiza, right? Every minute, yeah. I don't want to leave. And you, you just go on this mad tour and just li- <laughs> live in this ocean beach club for like just, four or five yeah, months. Yeah, I mean, I live an exceptional life, you know. It's like it's crazy, you know. Um, but you still have to maintain and control it, which it's took me a long time. But I'm at that point now where I think finally, you know, last year I was pretty good. I mean, the two years previous to COVID and. I lost the plot a little bit uh, first year, and then. But last year I was I was reasonably good. This year I'm a lot more focused on my health, um, and uh, yeah, longevity of life really. Um, but I still understand where what my business is, and and that it does take. You know, I can't go to ocean and not have a drink. Really, um, I really struggle with that. Um, I can go for a few hours and then go home, but. 
But yeah. Why why do you think you struggle so much with not I drinking? I just feel that everyone's having such a great time and and that it's the um adrenaline in me. I'm I just I'm I'm very high on adrenaline and uh yeah, and uh, so I'll have a little drink and I'll get in the vibe that everyone else is in and you know, I wanna be on that I wanna be on that level that they're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I wanna I wanna be in that zone where because you know I've got hundreds of people coming up talking to me asking for pictures on a daily basis and and it's a lot more difficult to do that when you're sober you've had a couple of drinks I'm not talking about getting wasted I'm talking about having that little but a little pit meal how long do you reckon you could go no, doing it though before it starts to really affect your health as you as you go as you get know. older I mean my, my, my doctor um, said to me last year this year in, um, in it was in June called me and he's gone Wayne I'm worried about you I said what are you worried about he said, I'm worried about your health let's do some blood tests I said okay he said we need to do everything your liver your heart your blood pressure everything yeah I went okay cool so I went to the hospital did all the all the tests all the all the blood took all my bloods and and um, and they called me. He said, "Wayne, I've got the results. I need to see you." I went, "Okay." So, the longest drive ever to the to the doctor's twenty minutes to is in Ibiza town. I walked in there. I'm thinking he's going to give me three months to live. <laughs> Back of my head, I thought I'm in trouble here. He's gone. Wayne, your blood. I'm like, what? He's gone. Incredible. I went, what? He went. Nothing wrong. <laughs> you are perfect. Your liver, your heart, your blood pressure—you are incredibly healthy. I'm like, really? He's gone. Really? He went. You are a medical marvel. <laughs> I went. Thanks. And it was on a Tuesday for history. <laughs> so I got in my car. It was about two o'clock. Got in my car. Went to ocean. I got absolutely wasted. Yeah, I think you've because you've lived this life so long, and you because you're accustomed to it. I think that's why it's become so. Um, you know, I think if you took it out of your life, you'd probably end up finished. Yeah, I mean, if if I actually went super healthy and stopped drinking and this that and the other, and I think my body would reject that. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just I'm just wondering. I'm just kind of wondering in my mind when when the when that when that party boy ends. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean. You're you're you're, you're like the. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. It's not ended this year. I can't wait. <laughs> So when does your, your your year then officially starts in May then basically? Yeah, May. Yeah, well yeah. April twenty first we've got a soft opening party and then a soft opening party. Yeah, it's it's an excuse for another opening party. Really, but no, it's the first day we open, but it's too early to have the grand opening. So we open them weekends. I think is till May the fifth, which is the grand opening, and then we open every day after that. What would you say your biggest lesson is then in in, in having opened so many venues and having so many like business? Yeah. ventures with different people what would you say one of the key the key biggest lessons is for you in that in that 100% whole 100 percent location 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 you have to be front line you have to be in the mix you can't expect to open something even if you've got a great brand i mean i've done it yeah. many because in the past i opened them one down the road yeah you know so people will work five minutes coming they don't they're not interested they've got to be you got to be in the you have to be in the in the mix i'll call it um, a lot of passing trade. You need, you know, you need to be in the heart of the resort. Um, 
section. Is it when you set up a bar? Is there a set, do, you, do you when you draw when you drop a pin on that map and say I'm setting a bar up here? Do you do you, do you then do um, massive due diligence on how many people are in that area and how much footfall that area has before you do yeah, it? Like also similar like a McDonald's yeah, and also yeah and also the due diligence we do really is is apartment blocks or hotels that are close to there that the noise from our venue could affect, which then becomes yeah. a denuncia. So if your music's too loud and you're next, right next to an apartment block or you're underneath someone's apartment, they're going to go to the police and report you. And you only need three denuncias for a, for a, a temporary closure. Um, so that's as, as big as important as a location. You must make sure that you're not interfering with anyone's lives. Uh, regarding your music, or even people leaving the venue, making noise in the streets, outside people's premises, outside people's residences. It's very important to find a location. I mean, if you look at local ocean, I mean, it's right next to Ocean Beach Hotel, but we're obviously in collaboration with them. <coughs> but, you know, if we've got apartment blocks all around us, then we're, we would never be able to play the music at the level we do, and um, or we would have problems. Like continual problems. So all our locations now are, are the first thing we think about is is music. And it, and is, and is your relationship with someone like Tony so good because you're perhaps opposites in many ways, so that you you cor- like you know your strengths correlate to his strengths, kind of thing, and and that's why it works. Is that is that kind of what, that's the gist I'm getting? Yeah, I mean, that was more back when I used to be hands on. Um, now I just leave it to Tony and Dwayne, and obviously I see everything that's on the group and what we're going to do in this. And if I see something, that I'm, then I'll speak up. But generally, they've got it sus now, and uh, yeah, we've got a great formula. Um, so yeah, no, I think I've, I think you've won at all levels of all levels of life. But if there was like, if we've got to leave, if you've got to leave the planet right now, you've got no more ocean beach. You can't take nothing with you. You no, no family, but you could just leave like one pearl of wisdom from these many years or you know of, of life that you've lived and a very colorful life if you're going to leave like one pearl of wisdom for this audience what would it be business wise just 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 what you what you'd want to leave oh i always believe you you won't get anywhere in life unless you treat people how you want to be treated yourself i'm always 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 humble to the no matter what, when business, friendship, strangers, just be humble. Um, you know, I've seen it so many times. Kids trying to break into the business, super cocky kids, and you know they never, they never, they never progress. Um, you know, you go into a meeting, it doesn't go right. You still shake hands and you're humble, and you know, thank you very much. Hopefully, in the future, we'll we'll meet again and we can do something. And you know, I'll never leave anything on a on a sour note and always like to you know keep it friendly and, and be humble yeah that's the one thing love it mate I love it and thank you so much for your thank you. time today and guys do me a solid favour yeah I hope you got a lot out of this podcast learned a few good lessons in it from from a man who's had a colourful colourful life and, 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 and <laughs> leading it leading it for the next few summers I'm sure we'll catch up over the over the over the summer, maybe do one in IB for or something like that as well. Do a bit, Let's do that. Do a follow up episode because I want to see I want to see you in your full habitat. I kind of I feel like I'm seeing the hibernating Wayne right now. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a meme out there, Wayne Lineker's 
It's already defrosted somewhere <laughs> in a freezer somewhere right now. Yeah. You know, that normally comes out in about March. But yeah, yeah no, I love it. I love it, mate. You, you've, you've definitely led, led a colourful life and there's, a, there's, a, there's, yeah, some, there's, blessed, there's yeah. some value in that. There's, I mean, I've learnt today, always pay me tax bill. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> and I've learned that, you know, maybe maybe me being single at like 34 is you know, I've still got time. You know what I'm saying? I've still got time. But guys, do me a solid favor. Subscribe on all the platforms. Share it with your friends and let me know how this goes for you. Much love. Guys, do me a solid favor. Drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next.